0: Welcome to the Left Right Forward Show. Business and political solutions with Ambassador Delano Lewis. Welcome back. I am Delano Lewis, and this is the Left Right Forward podcast show. And I'm excited today and very proud because I live in Congressional District Number 2 in southern New Mexico, and I have as our special guest today the newly elected representative from District 2, Social Taurus Small. Welcome, Social.
1: Ambassador Lewis, it's so lovely to get to join you today. Thank you so much for having
0: me. Oh, you're quite welcome. I am so pleased. We have started the podcast to talk about topical issues of the day. We wanted to educate and inform and inspire people. And I just wanted to chat with you for a few minutes about an issue that I know our listeners are concerned about and one that I know that is, is very challenging for you, and that's immigration and immigration reform, because we're right here on the border, and that issue is alive and well and has some challenges. Could you tell us a little bit about what's going on and what you what you see as some possible solutions?
1: Absolutely, we're we're all facing um, some significant challenges right now with what's happening along our borders, and uh, you know, I grew up in Las Cruces, I grew up along the border, and that really informs the work that I'm doing now. I'm the only member of the Homeland Security Committee that represents a district along the U.S.-Mexico border. And I know that we need a strong border, and our border is strongest when it's also vibrant. Uh, as the granddaughter of Mexican immigrants, I know how important it is uh, to that, that immigrants build our economy um, and that we have to maintain security and enforce our laws in a way that reflects our values. So right now, there's some real challenges there. Uh, we have an increasing number of migrant families who are voluntarily presenting along our U.S.-Mexico border, and we don't have have a system set up to make sure that we have a clear, efficient process and that people are being treated humanely in that process.
0: Right. And I also have been reading about the detention centers, particularly not far from us, El Paso, Texas and Clint, Texas, and some very unsanitary conditions in those detention centers. And children are there separated from their parents as well. And, and have you seen those in it? Have, have moved to do something about that.
1: Yes, yes, I have seen them. In fact, before I uh, was before I was even elected, we uh, brought folks from. Or, I'm sorry, not before I was elected. Before I was sworn in, we mm-hmm. brought folks. Um, to antelope wells to see some of the challenging conditions in holding cells in our most remote and rural areas. Uh, I've also uh, helped coordinate a CODEL uh, for other legislators coming down to uh, observe the conditions in Alamogordo um, in another holding cell um, related to uh, a child who died in CBP custody. Right. Uh, this is a real concern because there's really three problems when it comes to the holding cells um, where people are waiting as they're being processed in CBP custody. There aren't the resources to process people quickly and to to care for them in, as you said, a sanitary and humane way, uh, while they are being processed. There's also not the standards to make sure that everywhere, with they're using the money appropriately. Uh, and then we're not addressing the root causes of the problem, uh, making sure that we're investing in the Northern Triangle, making sure that we have a clear and efficient uh, immigration system, uh, which which will help address
0: the root causes. Well, I'm pleased that you mentioned that, and I want to get back to that in a second about the root causes of why this is happening. But I want to get back to the resource question because I'm very proud of the Las Cruces area because the city council uh, gave some $500,000 and the state, $250,000 to help on those asylum seekers who are left here in Las Cruces uh, for them to move on and 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 to seek redress. And so I'm very proud of that. But there was also an emergency bill passed. uh could you bring us up to date on that $4.6 billion, I think, to give us some resources on the border?
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh, so I am very proud of the communities I represent, from Las Cruces to Deming, uh, folks who are stepping up, regardless of how they feel about border policy. Uh, But to step up to care for their communities and people who've been released in their communities thousands of miles from where their first immigration proceedings will occur. And what they're doing is they're providing temporary shelters so those families can make their own travel arrangements to get to their immigration proceedings. I have been fighting from the beginning to make sure that our towns and churches and the people who are doing the work get reimbursed for that work because this is a federal issue and it needs federal resources. And I was pleased that we were able to get $30 million uh, for reimbursements for our border towns and churches and communities that are doing this work.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. And I know that on your committee assignments, we'd let our listeners know uh, what you're doing on those committee assignments, which I thought were quite interesting. One, an Armed Services Committee, uh, but certainly the Homeland uh, Committee that you're on. And you're also chair of a subcommittee d- that has oversight over these issues. Would you tell us a bit about your committee work?
1: Yes. So I am on the House Armed Services Committee. Uh, right now, we are working to get the National Defense Authorization Act passed through Congress. Mm-hmm. Uh, we passed it through committee. as actually the longest markup in history for the House Armed Services Committee. It was 22 hours long, ended at 7 a.m. in the morning. But we got through, and there were some important things in it. One of the things that was included, actually, is making White Sands National Monument White Sands National Park, uh, which I'm I'm very excited about. Um, Also working to make sure that um, defense funding is not used to uh, build a wall along the U.S.-Mexico border. National security is incredibly important. So no matter what your opinion is on the wall, I think that a wall is a highly inefficient use of funds um, to have a wall from one end of our border to another. We need to use the right resources in the right places. But no matter what your view is on that, it's to be paid for through uh, DHS funds, not through Department of Defense funds. And that's one of the things that's in the National Defense Authorization Act. Uh, I also am on the Homeland Security Committee, where I chair the Committee on Oversight Management and Accountability. And uh, one of the first hearings that I conducted uh, was on rural recruitment and retention for our border patrol and customs officers. I also introduced uh, a bill to address that same challenge because we need to make sure our law enforcement officers along the border uh, are fully staffed and accountable. We need to support the work they're doing by getting the right resources in the right places and then having standards to back them up.
0: Well, thank you very much. To our listeners, we're talking to the uh, congressional representative from District 2 of Southern New Mexico, Sochil Torres-Small. I'm so pleased that you're here. Uh, would you tell us a little bit, since you're on top of this issue, what would you do in terms of an immigration reform bill? What would be the pieces of that bill which would really get at some of those issues that we've talked about? Have you given that well- some thought?
1: Absolutely. It's uh, one of the biggest issues facing us today. And there are a lot of different components of comprehensive immigration reform. Uh, So frankly, I would start with the low hanging fruit Mm -hmm. and uh, the low hanging, you know, what folks agree, 80% of our country agrees that children who are brought through no fault of their own to our country, who have worked hard, um, who have gone to school, who have served in our militaries should have a pathway to citizenship, When 80% of people agree on something, it shows how broken Congress is if you can't get it done. And that's why I was proud to be an original co-sponsor of the Dream and Promise Act. Um, And that's why I strongly urge the Senate to take up this legislation. It passed bipartisan out of the House. It needs to be taken up in the Senate. This is something we should all be able to agree on.
0: And they're called the Dreamers, am I right? And I think that's an excellent piece for immigration reform.
1: Absolutely. And then going to address the uh, most urgent situation at hand. Uh, when it comes to asylum seekers, we need to make sure that our standards are clear and our process is efficient. That means having enough immigration judges so that the system runs smoothly and that the standards are clear. Because one of the challenges is we have people who are fleeing the Northern Triangle, families who are leaving because of enormous poverty, because of um, increasing challenges with farming as well as the decreasing price, price of the coffee bean, because of violence. And in some cases, because of gang violence uh, that has also been exacerbated by uh, law enforcement or another government entity. Now only one of those circumstances is qual- qualifies someone for asylum, the, the government component of, um, of gang violence. And so what we have to make sure is that people who are risking their lives and traveling thousands of miles to present themselves at the border really would qualify for asylum. And that's why we need clear standards. That's why we need more immigration judges and a stronger, uh, structured infrastructure for those immigration judges. At the same time, there are people who are fleeing immense poverty. And I talk to farmers every single week who are in deep need of, um, of good workers to help support our food system. I've also talked to other um, other places across New Mexico, especially in southeastern New Mexico, where there's a real deficit in the labor supply right now. So we should be able to solve one problem with another by expanding work visa programs with application in countries so people don't have to risk their lives, travel, travel uh, thousands of miles, and to support our economy here in the United States.
0: That sounds an excellent approach, which gets to that issue that you talked about earlier, root causes of this whole issue, that uh, we need to be talking about some aid packages for some of these countries, which would begin to help them and their economies back home.
1: You know, it, it's absolutely an investment for us, as well as for Guatemala and El Salvador and Honduras. Uh, we have to invest in these countries um, because we are one region and we're seeing it show up at our door. The other thing is, um, we've seen it work before. We've seen where investments dramatically decrease violence in these communities. We've seen where um, foreign aid can improve farming practices and help provide more sustainable um, livelihoods. Yeah. But uh, contrary to the fact that we've seen this happen, uh, the president has pulled funding from the Northern Triangle. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that is, is, is not helping our circumstance right now.
0: Well, that's fantastic. Sound like you were very much on top of this issue of immigration. Would you talk a little bit about some of the associations you're, you have joined? You're a newly elected uh, congressperson, and there are a number of associations I think are helpful for any representative in leveraging their legislative priorities. So would you spend a little bit about your own priorities other than immigration and how these associations like the Congressional Hispanic Caucus and other associations, how they are helping you in your effort? Uh, on the hill.
1: Well, thank you so much. My my two main priorities are rural opportunity. Uh, that means making sure that we, I am I represent the largest districts represented by a Democrat, mm-hmm. and I say that because rural issues should not be partisan issues, and it, no matter which caucus you're in, people should be raising how any issue affects people in rural communities. And so when we talk about healthcare, making sure that we can afford our healthcare, and also that we can get to a healthcare provider close to home. Um, another rural issue is being able to compete on a level marketplace by having good, reliable internet service. Uh, if we want to develop our rural communities, and and even in Las Cruces, frankly, we've got to make sure that we've got good, robust internet service to do it. Um, And so that's one of my priorities. Another one is, as I mentioned, border life, recognizing that we have to be secure in our border and we have to support a thriving border economy as well. Um, When you look at trade, when you look at tourism, uh, making sure that we are supporting supporting our border communities. And so I'm, I'm on a few caucuses. I'm, as you mentioned, I'm on the Congressional Hispanic Caucus. I'm actually the only um, member of the Congressional Hispanic Caucus that represents a district that also elected President Trump, which is an interesting uh, dichotomy
0: there. It certainly is. I
1: also, I'm also a representative of, or I also am a part of the Blue Dog Caucus, and I chair the Rural Opportunity uh, Task Force within the Blue Dog Caucus.
0: And would you explain what the Blue Dog Caucus was? I was trying, I was seeing that they are very much interested in national security, but they are also very focused on bipartisanship. Have you had a chance to get a feel for it? Absolutely. Um, so it, the Blue Dog
1: Caucus focuses on fiscal responsibility and supporting our national security. And when you brought up bipartisanship, the other another group that I belong to is the bipartisan working group. And we get together for breakfast once a week and talk about the legislative calendar, what's coming up, and what are our opportunities uh, to work together on it. It's a great way to provide to get co-sponsorships across the, across the um, aisle. For example, last week I think I brought a bill on um, maternity leave for National Guard women um, who
0: are serving. And you said this is called the bipartisan working group. Is that separate from the Blue Dog Coalition or part of it?
1: It is. It's separate from the Blue Dog Coalition. Okay.
0: So it's a separate group and made up of, I'm sure, Republicans, Democrats, independents. How big a group is that?
1: It varies in terms of how many people show up. Um, Usually it's, uh, but but I think and and it's also not one of the challenges that i've learned when it comes to uh bipartisan groups is uh that as soon as there is um you lose anonymity uh the It's a lot harder to work across the aisle when people are also trying to get media attention. So, there's not, people don't disclose their names part of the bipartisan working group unless you choose to disclose it yourself. Um, And so, it's usually 15 or so folks who come, but sometimes it's different people, um, which is kind of nice because you're also getting perspectives from all over.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. You're doing a a terrific job and certainly reaching across the aisle because that's going to be necessary if you've got to get anything done. Uh, before we close, uh, you've been generous with your time. I, I, I have to ask you about the other issues uh, that are that are coming at uh, the House of Representatives, particularly uh, with this administration. And there are uh, stonewalling uh, in terms of the various committees, the Judiciary Committee, the Financial Oversight Committee, the uh, Intelligence Committee have been asking the Trump administration about various uh, parts of information about what happened in our 2016 election and Russian interference and obstruction of justice issues. Uh, where do you stand as these issues are unfolding? I know the caucuses have been sort of divided on whether you should proceed on an impe- impeachment inquiry. Have you made any decisions uh, on that regard? And where do you, where do you see this going? Well- I was
1: elected with multiple responsibilities and the main responsibilities that I was given was to work on development, economic development in our district, making sure that we are investing in things that will bring, that people don't have to choose between their best opportunities and the home that they love. The other responsibility that I have is transparency and accountability. And so while I'm working hard on Healthcare and infrastructure and economic development. I also want to make sure that everyone is held accountable. So I I don't, I'm not currently pursuing, I don't support impeachment, but I do think that we have to make sure that we have oversight and that committees are getting answers to the questions that they have. I'm pleased that Robert Mueller is coming to testify in front of the judiciary. I hope that it is a productive, um, fact-producing conversation uh, because the Mueller report raised some serious questions. Uh, The first question that it raised is how can we keep uh, foreign countries like Russia from getting involved in our elections and from influencing our elections? I'm actually part of another bipartisan group, um, Task Force Century, that's working to address that very question, because it's an issue that everyone should care about. We all need to protect our elections. The integrity of our elections defines our democracy. So... There, that's, I think, a key point that I hope the Mueller um, the Mueller, uh, testimony uh, brings to light. Another one of the issues that that came out in the Mueller report, frankly, is some concerns about leadership. You know, no matter who you are, I think we can all agree that an employer should not instruct his employees to lie on their behalf. Right. And that 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 shows some real questions about leadership. Um, so it's important that. Um, The American public get this information; that they know about it, so that we can all make the best decisions as we exercise our rights in in our democracy.
0: Well, thank you so much. We're getting close to the end. I have one last question for our listeners. We're speaking with uh, uh, the congressional representative uh, Social Torres Small from the congressional uh, district two in southern New Mexico. And I, before as we close, I just got in the mail a card from you. Which talked about your offices that you're opening. And I don't know. I've been here for some 20 years. Uh, you have several offices and I'm not so sure you can, uh, you can, uh, educate us, uh, that other representatives have had these many offices. Uh, would you tell us a little bit about these offices and your connection to the people here in New Mexico and a little bit about your background and how you're managing this very exciting and uh, opportunity as being our representative?
1: thank you so much ambassador lewis um so we have four offices right now one in belen one in roswell one in carlsbad and one in las cruces Fantastic. and it is a big district so we are trying to get out we're also holding mobile offices all over the district from silver city to deming um, to Hobbs. we're working hard to get out in every community um, to reach folks. And part of the reason why is because one of the opportunities that I have as a member of Congress is to make sure that federal agencies that are supposed to be serving my constituents are being responsive and are doing that work. And so if folks have an issue with a federal agency or are having problems getting, um, getting uh, an answer back from the government, I ask that they reach out to me because it's my job to be your representative in that Scenario as well. Um, so, if you're having problems accessing your VA benefits, for example, you've served our country, it's our time to serve you. Uh, please let us know because I want to make sure I'm able to help. Uh, get people the benefits that, you know, in terms of veterans that they have earned. And um, also make sure that, that the government is being accountable to you. Uh, at the end of the day, I get to be the representative of every constituent within New Mexico's second congressional district. And part of that is getting to work on your behalf with agencies that may not be responsive.
0: Well, thank you so much. We're at the end of our time. You've been very generous with, uh, with your time. Uh, I, is there any last word you want to leave with our listeners about your ch- uh, your challenge uh, being a newly elected uh, representative uh, from New Mexico to 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 Congress? Any last words you want to leave with our audience?
1: Well, thank you so much, Ambassador Lewis. It's an absolute honor to get to represent my home, and I uh, will work hard to represent everyone in New Mexico's second congressional district.
0: Thank you so much. We've been talking to. Uh, Uh, congressional representative from District 2, Social Torres Small from New Mexico. An exciting time she's having as the newly elected representative. We chatted about immigration and uh, its importance uh, to this border, uh, but also to the nation uh, and immigration reform and other issues that she's concerned about uh, for the constituents of New Mexico. So I'm very proud she's our representative and I wish her well. So thank you so much for joining us, Representative Torres Small.
1: Thank
0: you. Goodbye now. Thank you. Bye, Ambassador Lewis. Thank you. You've been listening to Left Right Forward podcast radio show, Business and Political Solutions. have been talking with Congressional Representative Social Torres Small from District 2 in New Mexico. We were discussing the most important issue of the day, immigration and immigration reform, and what's going on in our southern border, the fact that those resources needed to be there to protect our border, but to also treat asylum seekers humanely. She also talked about other issues that concerned her, like health care, like jobs, a healthy border, uh, and all of those things that impact her constituents. So I was pleased to have her because the purpose of our podcast is to educate, inform, and inspire. And so she, uh, Torres Small, is definitely an inspiration to us. So thank you for listening. And next time, Godspeed.